When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Peter Mears now joins us on the program. Peter, good afternoon, good evening, welcome. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. What are How are you? Now, when I spoke to you earlier, your wife had sent you out shopping, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I stuffed it up. I got the wrong size light for the bulb. So. Of course you did, Peter. Anyway. We all stuff it up, mate. We never get it right, we Peter. Do. And even if you had got it right, you would have got something wrong, Peter. That's right. You're dead right, mate. Hey, someone texted... Leave the shopping to the girls. Someone texted earlier uh, when I mentioned you were going to be on the program. They wanted to know what your golf handicap was. I'm not sure why, but they do. It was 14. Wow. For about 10 10 years. uh, And then I hurt my back. And uh, an old legacy of bowling and cricket. I couldn't get the ball out of the hole, so... Went cold turkey on golf and gave it away. And someone also wanting to know, did you play rugby and what position did you play? I played rugby for about 20 years, 25 years. And I played outside centre mainly um, and a bit of wing. Was the shoot shield um, around when you were playing rugby? No, mate. Well, it wasn't called the shoot shield when I was playing. I played for Sydney Uni for four years. Yep. And then I came to Queensland. I had one year with um, Harlequins in Tassie, but didn't play much. Trained, but could never get time off to play, as you would understand. And uh, then I came to Brisbane and played in G- GPS for uh, how many years? 12 years. You don't think of Tasmania. You don't think of rugby, do you? No, it's... AFL uh, territory. Exactly. Everyone's mad on AFL down there. I think they deserve a team in the uh, AFL competition because they're so keen. So many good young Tasmanians go and play for Melbourne clubs. They're, they're just absolute um, diehards for the sport. You know, I went to the World Duathlon Championships in Tasmania in 1994 and I remember taking a taxi and the taxi driver was just a mad keen Hawthorne man. He had the Hawthorne song going. He had his car decked out in AFL colours. Um, I was actually just blown away about how big it was. And we'd always talked about how tribally AFL was and, um, you know, just how loyal the fans are. And that just reinforced it. They're a little bit different. Well, mate, it's just a religion. You go to Melbourne, you're hard pressed to even get a score in the league or the union, uh, at least in the days when I used to go down there calling basketball or calling rugby or doing athletics. Um, you know, it's just one team town or one sport town, really. Mm-hmm. Okay, Peter. Let's talk about the Queensland Reds because they're probably f- they they really haven't impressed this season so far in Super Rugby. It was only a couple of years ago when each country had their own Super Rugby comp due to COVID that the Reds were crown champions within Australia. Brad Thorne has been at the helm, um, one of the great All Black locks and one of the great rugby league players. He's decided that he's going to call it quits. Um, did anybody see this coming? And, and is it a coaching issue that the Reds are suffering from, or is it like most sports, that's just the automatic default setting, sack the coach? Gee, it's, uh, there's been a lot who've tried and been found wanting. There's probably 
half a dozen coaches that uh, couldn't even win half a dozen games in a season. I mean, before Thorny came aboard, they were winning three or four games in a season. So it, at least he improved he improved the culture because he's such a good bloke with such experience as a player, 20 de- years playing rugby league and rugby union and, and then coaching at the junior level. He was very successful with the Queensland junior team. Uh, bringing on the young kids, as he's done so well with the Reds too. He's such a good fella, uh, and I think he's left a great legacy with all the young players like Jordan Pattaya, Harry Wilson, Fraser McWright, Tate McDermott. You know, they've gone on to play for the Wallabies. And so he's left his mark, but not just in that sense. I think uh, he insisted on high standards of behaviour off the field, and we saw that he dispensed with star players, you know, like Quade Cooper and uh, Carmichael Hunt and... Uh, James Slipper, all because of uh, misbehaving off the field. So he, you know, he, he's an admirable guy. He's a Christian, and uh, he sets standards that he sticks to, and he expects his players to stick to as well. So, you know, he did a great job. He tried hard, but he just couldn't. At the end of the day, after six years of trying, he's uh, he's got four teenage kids, and I think he wants to spend a bit of time with his family. Yeah, I was going to ask him, can you see him maybe heading offshore and further developing his coaching credentials? And is that perhaps what he needs? Because, I mean, he got into coaching quite quickly after the end of his rugby career, and it's really only been with the Queensland Reds. I mean, the great coaches have done apprenticeships elsewhere. The great coaches have often done an apprenticeship under other very, very good coaches, and then they go on and spend time in, you know, different rugby cultures around the world before they they, they probably really start to come into their own. Yeah, it's, it's interesting whether he will coach again. At the moment, I think he's just burnt out. He's had enough, and he's looking forward to the end of this. And as you might call it, he's not going that well. I think the final nail in the coffin was the 52-24 to 24 thrashing by the Brumbies, who they'd beaten three times in a row before that, and beaten them in the uh, Super Rugby AU competition final in a real cliffhanger, very exciting match with 40,000 at Suncorp Stadium, and everyone was singing the praises of Brad Thorne then, but since then it's been a bit of a downhill slide, and he's just had enough. be interesting to see if he does come back again after having a bit of a furlough and get a break away from it, spend some time with his kids, and uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at the Reds team on paper... I mean, is it a good is it a, is it a good side? Is it a side that should be performing better than it is? When you look at Campbell Bataya, uh, we've talked about Fluke. A lot of people are saying that he's sort of an Australian version of um, you know Conrad Smith. Um, I mean, when you look at this team, and, and you're a Queensland man, do you expect better from them? I do. Uh, I think there's so much talent. Um, the bulk of this team was in the Australian junior team that lost the final of the World Juniors to Argentina, beat the New Zealanders, uh, and most of them went through straight away to the Reds. Perhaps if Brad had a weakness, it was that he could see talent, but he blooded them too soon and didn't give them enough time to mature. Uh, okay, know, but, but, but do you... The brittle nature of players like Harry Wilson, for example, who's yeah. got so much ability, it's obvious when you look at him. But he's up and down like a yo-yo, and he just needs a bit of leavening, you know, toughening in a in a club competition or a next tier down like the NRC. Yeah, I was going to ask you though. I mean, it's it's in New Zealand that's easy to do because you've got the MPC. But 
you know, what is that resource for those talented players to mature, to get a little bit hardened? Is is, is it too big a step down from Super Rugby? I think it is, yeah. There's a vast difference between club rugby in Australia and representative rugby at the Queensland level or the Wallaby level. And you see how players who go overseas improve so much when they play in France or Japan or England. And there's so many opportunities. There's 120 Queensland players playing overseas at the moment. That's how much talent there is in the state, but we can't hang on to them. We haven't had enough money. And now with this private equity deal that's coming through for rugby in Australia, hopefully Queensland will have enough money. And there's some good signs in the future. Uh, Ballymore has had an official opening in the last day or so as a new training base for men and women and sevens, an academy, and it's all been improved. So that's something to look forward to, that the facilities will be there. So hopefully the money will be there and we can hang on to the players that, that we'd uh, like to keep. Like They've lost players like Tenula Tupo and Hamish Stewart, who were you know, five-year players with Brad Thorne and uh, the strengths of the side, especially Tupo. When he played, we won our scrums against mm. anyone because mm. he was such a force. Mm. But uh, with that serious knee injury, he's been missing all season, and um, we're just not up to it before we pack. Does that does that sadden you for somebody who loves the game so much to sort of see where the Reds are at, and not just the Reds, but a lot of the Australian Super Rugby sides? I'm not talking about the Wallabies because 15 on 15, it changes the game, but at that sort of provincial first class level. Mm, very much so. I'm a rugby tragic, and I have been for 50 years. Um, you know, I still remember Mark Lone and Tony Shaw and Paul McLean and those guys in the 70s. And then the John Eels, Ben Tune, Joe Roth, Todd Kefu, that era of uh, the 90s going through to the early 2000s when we were as good as anyone in the world, really. Won a couple of World Cups. And so when you've, you've been there and you've scaled the heights, it's pretty disappointing and frustrating tramping around the foothills. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the private equity deal that's going to come into Australian rugby. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's been talked of in the press, but nothing concrete has come through. It's uh, English private equity money, and uh, I believe New Zealand's got a similar deal with the All Blacks. A yes, fraction of the All Blacks is owned by private equity now, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no fraction. Of, so they own a percentage of the commercial rights of the All Blacks. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, it's a similar thing. Uh, I think there's a bit of hesitancy. It's a very traditional rugby union. Uh, been going over 100 years. and They don't want to hand control over to somebody else and, uh, who might be here today and gone tomorrow. Nobody really has tested the private equity theory and the, whether it works. But at the moment, money is such a scarce commodity for rugby union in Australia that um, they're desperate. Mm. Rugby union doesn't rate as well as it used to in this country. It's probably fourth of the codes now behind soccer. Well, I re- so, uh, I, 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 they're desperate to try anything. Yeah, I reckon outside of the All Blacks, I still reckon here in New Zealand, NRL starting to have 
some real cut through here and I, I keep saying it, I still think interest in super rugby is very much in decline in this country and it'll be four or five years from now. People are saying it, but the New Zealand Rugby Union, they're only interested in the All Blacks and five years' time they'll be sitting down having focus groups and wondering why no one's watching the game below the All Blacks and they've done it to themselves. Now, look, Peter, I might just get you to give us some quick thoughts on this weekend's game. So we've got the Blues, they're hosting the Waratahs. What chance do you give the Waratahs? Well, who can say? I mean, they've got so much talent in their ranks. On paper, you'd say they've got a good chance, but in practice, I don't give them much chance at all, to be honest. And the Blues are in such formidable form this season. They're a terrific side and they're so motivated. They're they're a tough, clever side. They've got some really good weapons in that back line. Um, I, I... would like to say that I think the, the Waratahs have got a chance of winning, but if they can keep the score down to about a 20-point defeat, they'll be doing well, mm. yeah. in my view. And the Rebels hosting the Crusaders. Um, Crusaders have come off the back of a break. They've got some big games coming up. I'd imagine they're going to put out a reasonably full-strength Crusaders side. This is not going to be a bit-part side that perhaps the Blues put out against the Rebels a couple of weeks ago. So the Rebels, I, I mean be wishful thinking to think they can beat the might of the Crusaders. And Sam Whitecross is back, isn't he? Uh, so they're back to pretty well full strength. Um, Crusaders are, to my mind, in recent years, poor starters. They've warmed to the task and finished with a wet sail and beating everybody. But um, it didn't seem to matter because they're so well coached. Mm. Uh, I, look, I, I saw the Rebels play Queensland and beat them. And I was so impressed with their forward pack. They've got a huge forward pack, lots of talent. But that was against a a fairly weak Reds pack. And uh, it's a different story with the Crusaders. So I'll, I'll go for the Crusaders comfortably. Okay, Peter. Now, look, just before we do let you go, I know that you've written a number of books over the years, but you wrote your first ever novel, which was released December last year. I've been lucky enough to be sent a copy, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. The book's called Long Shot. How has it gone? How has it been received? Well, I can't really tell you. <laughs> it sounds a bit odd saying that, but um, it's uh, published by a London publisher. I, I tried 20 different publishers throughout Australia and got knocked back 20 times. And the 21st one, I got one, Austin McCauley in London, who I didn't even know if they were fair dinkum. I'd never heard of them. But um, I rang a mate of mine, Laurie Muller, who's an experienced publisher himself, retired. And he said, how long have they been going? And I looked it up. It was 12 years. And he said, they're fair dinkum. Anyone who lasts 12 years in this game mm. is fair dinkum. So they did a good job, but uh, they won't tell me how much royalties I get for the number of books that have been sold by them or through them until the first 12 months. So I'm hoping. Hoping you get a nice little payday, eh? And you can buy the super, yeah, and you can buy the supermarket, the Peter. Money. You can buy the supermarket, Peter. It's not the money. No, I know it's not the money. I know it's, it's not the money. Appreciation from people like yourself, you know, yeah. whose opinion I respect, and that's all I want, really. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, you're a beautiful man, Peter. Hey, lovely having you on the program as always, and thank you for taking time out of your night. Thanks, mate. It's always a pleasure. Cheers. Thank-